Proverbs chapter 3. Also, very good to have newly appointed uh, missionary uh, Cody Griggs with us. Cody is uh, just, uh, y'all know Cody, married uh, Jennifer and Andy's daughter. Cody, and we'll be back, he will definitely be back, but he literally just received his approval, uh, and these guys are going to be going to serve in Ecuador with a guy named Joel Marbot. You may remember Joel came and spoke here not too long ago, maybe a couple years for a missions convention, but uh, excited to have Cody with us. Today I'm going to start a series called Trusting God. And I want to show you a couple passages in Scripture and then kind of let you know how this is going to, to, to pan out in the way I believe the Lord has, has laid this on my heart. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, most of you are probably very familiar with. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Today we're going to start a new series simply called Trusting God. And we're going to look at the life of the prophet Habakkuk. Now, if I ask you how many of you have ever read the book of Habakkuk, I would be interested in your response. Now, I'm not going to ask you this, but here's how I think that that you would respond. I think that you would respond as, no, I probably have never read it, or either, yes, I read it because it's so short, and I wanted to see how many books of the Bible I could read at one time. Uh, so it's, it's either way with that. But Habakkuk is what we call a minor prophet. Now, a minor prophet does not mean that what Habakkuk has to say is not important. Minor prophet simply is because of the length of the book. Isaiah and people like that, they're major prophets. But Habakkuk, Nahum, people like that, we call that minor prophets. And so it's not because what he has to say is not important. But he's a minor prophet. And I want you to meet Habakkuk for a few minutes before we jump into what we're going to talk about today. Habakkuk is a very interesting prophet. His name is not even a Hebrew name. His name doesn't even have a a special meaning or or anything elaborate. Matter of fact, most scholars believe that, that it is a foreign name that was foreign to Israel and that his name probably has to do with like a flower or something. But Habakkuk is a prophet. Now, one of the roles of a prophet is to serve as an intermediary between God and the nation of Israel. The prophet was to speak and was to help Israel get back in line when they strayed. Habakkuk functions in this role, but yet the way he does it is a little unique. Now, you've heard me talk before maybe about uh, the book of Judges and how the book of Judges is, is like a cycle it's not, uh, it's not linear as much as it, it's kind of this way. Because they'll have a good time and, and, and God will be blessing and then they'll turn away from God and they'll be going back down and God will have to send another judge and then the cycle begins over and over again. Well, Habakkuk is going to be a little bit different as far as what he does. There are very few prophets in Scripture that are described less than Habakkuk. He doesn't have a big description. What we know about him for sure is that he's a contemporary of Nahum, Zephaniah, and Jeremiah. What does that mean? That means they're all prophesying near and around the same time. The book of Habakkuk is pretty straightforward. He asks God two questions, and God gives him two responses. But what's different about Habakkuk, and this is what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. Today, I'm just going to lay the groundwork about trust. 
But next week, we're going to look at one of the questions that Habakkuk asked, and then the following week, we'll look at the second, and the way God responds. God's response and what's going to take place as, as the, the, the Israelites are going to be taken over and, and they're going to be having, having these, that their enemies come against them is going to be judgment and discipline for what's went wrong. And Habakkuk looks at God and he says, but, but even in our, in our sin, why would you bless somebody wicked over us even in our sin? And, and Habakkuk literally, it's not him speaking to people. The book of Habakkuk is the conversation between him and God. Other than Job, he's one of a few people, matter of fact, other than Job, he's the only that you'll see have almost an argument with God. And almost call God out. He'll question God's sovereignty. Why do I think that's important? I think it's important because we see the humanness in who Habakkuk is. He understands that that things sometimes don't make sense. But just as Pastor Christie said earlier, God's ways are higher than our ways. And, And his ways don't always make sense to us. But we know that God is God. And so next week, we're going to dive into the questions that he asked. But today, I want to, to, to begin and build with the main theme that's found in the book of Habakkuk, and that is to trust, to trust God. And as you'll see in the coming weeks, trusting God was something that he had to do. Even when the situation didn't make sense, he had to trust him. So for the rest of our time today, I want to talk to you about trust. I don't know if you are aware of this. You probably are. The easiest thing to lose and the hardest thing to gain is trust. If someone trusts you, that right there ought to be more precious to you than the money that you have in your bank because it's your word. And if you ever lose that trust, they may forgive you, but trusting is very difficult sometimes. In this room, there are people who you have been let down and disappointed by others. Maybe it's family members that have let you down. Maybe it's church folks that have let you down. Maybe it's preachers that have let you down. One of the things that breaks my heart the most in ministry is whenever I'll talk to people or I'll I'll, I'll share uh, life with people and we talk about just how they've been disappointed and let down by preachers. And you know what? As much as I want to say, that'll never be me, it will be. You know why? Because I may be a preacher, and this may be what God's called me to do, but at the end of the day, I'm flesh and blood just like everybody else. And I'm not perfect. There's none of us that are perfect. The Bible says there's none perfect, no, not one. No matter how close to perfect you think you are. Now, some of you, that may have bust your bubble. If you're sitting by somebody that thinks they're perfect, it's okay to tell them right now, you're not perfect. Preacher didn't say it, the Bible said it. If you looked over and told somebody they're not perfect, shame on you because <laughs> that means you're thinking mean thoughts. But trust, trust with one another and trust with, with even family. It's an interesting thing. The Bible talks a lot about trust. It talks a lot about trust not in one another, but trust in God. The first verse I just read to you said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't lean on your own understanding. To trust the Lord 
means to absolutely recognize that he's in control and you're not. Let me just read to you three passages real fast. Psalm 31, 14, 15. If I had to tell you that, that I had a life verse, this is it. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and my pursuers. The next passage, Psalm 56, verse 3. In the day when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. And lastly, Psalm 910. Those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Psalm 31, I'll never forget the first time I heard it. I've read before the Psalms, but I never will forget a lady before she sang a song in chapel at Central Bible College began to talk about this verse. And ever since then, that verse has just absolutely uh, been burned in my heart. Matter of fact, um, It depends whose Bible I have right now. I don't know if this is Sadie's or Lucy's, but I'll tell you in just a second. Yeah, this is this is obviously Lucy's. You may be wondering what I'm talking about. I have two identical Bibles. Um, I I switch them out each Sunday. That way, when I die, I'll have something for my kids. They'll have a preaching Bible, and on the front, I write the date that I preach in it. Kind of cool. You know, I want them to have things from Daddy, but to have Daddy's preaching Bible would be kind of neat. What I've taken is Sadie. And I took her handprint and I put it in ink. And in in my other Bible, which I'll have next Sunday, my other Bible, it's uh, got her handprint when she was in the hospital the first time uh, when she was in a coma. Uh, And it says, but I trust in you, O Lord. And I say, you're my God. My time is in your hands. And I put her little handprint on it uh, because that's what I prayed over her. And, And my whole life I thought, you know, God, you're good. But I remember when I grasped this. And you may have heard me talk about this before, but, but right here it says, But I trust in you, O Lord. You're calling him God, you're recognizing that he's greater than you are. Then the second thing, he says, I say you are my God. I, I realize that I'm not God, you are. And then he said, and My times are in your hands. In other words, you are the one who controls my days. I don't know about you, but life is passing me quicker than I want it to. The closer I get to 40, the more I realize that I am halfway done. And I'm not saying that I plan on living to be at least 103. But by uh, standards, if you look at just the average life expectancy, it'd say that I'm probably over halfway done. Well, that's hard for me to believe because I still feel young. But whenever you... That's what I'm talking about. Everybody that just say amen, you get a... um, Something for free. Um, I can't think of something right now, but I'll think of something. Now, please don't, don't think that I'm trying to say, well, preacher's planning on checking out when he's 80. No, I'm going to just be getting started then. But I understand that I am getting older, and I don't function the way that I used to. Like, I mean, and, and now y'all are probably like, well, you probably never function good. Don't get me wrong now. Don't let the belly fool you, okay? Ah. I had a little bit of of athleticism at one time, but the older I've got, the belly has worked on me a little bit, but also old age has worked on me a little bit. Like, 
knees hurting. There's times where I'll just be doing something, and I'm like, my, I didn't even know I could hurt there. I have become a very, very, very intentional believer in like aspartame and biofreeze. That stuff's great. I used to go and play golf and it not bother me at all. Now, whenever we go play golf, I'm looking for the ninth hole. Forget the rest of them. You can have them. What'd you shoot on 18? Just double what I did on the front half. That's okay. Psalm 56.3, in the day when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. We teach Lucy this all the time because she'll say, I'm scared. And we'll tell her, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. And then Psalm 9, those who know your name will put their trust in you. Those who know your name. Isn't that an interesting statement? Those who know your name will put their trust in you. They're not putting their trust in in the name just because it's a name. I look and I see a lot of y'all and and I know your name. Sean's name is Sean. I don't put trust in Sean because his name is what it is. I put trust in Sean because I know that his the name that he carries and the way that that is and and that's the same way with God. God's reputation when it says that what those who know your name they put their trust in you. For you have not forsaken those who seek you. Now, there are three ways that I want us to look real fast that I believe can help us in the context of our lives of why can you trust God. Three three reasons I believe you can trust God. First reason is because he's good. Now, you may be wondering if God's always been good to you. Friend, I promise you he's been good. In just a minute, I hope to help you see that. Second thing is because he's generous. God doesn't just give you those things that, that, that you may feel like you deserve. God's generous. And God may not give you what you want. Generosity doesn't mean that he spoils you. Amen? Generosity can be a whole lot of different things. And then the last thing is because he's constant. He does not change. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so let's take just a couple minutes to look at that with the the three passages I just read to you. First of all, he's good. In the day when I'm afraid, I'll put my trust in you. God is good even when you don't understand. God is good even whenever it doesn't seem like he answers you the way that you feel like he should have or that you wanted him to. How do I know that? Because you tell me one thing God has ever done to you that's not good. And before you try to do that, I'm talking about in his character. What has God done that's not good? Instead, God has helped us with things that we have caused that are not good because of the sin nature in our lives. Everything that's bad, everything that's evil, is something that we've spurred on somewhere along the way. Now, I understand that, that in this room there may be somebody here or, or maybe you know someone who, who your life is, is not really been dealt a fair hand. I talk about Sadie a lot, but, but you think about it. My little girls were adopted because they were a product of a, of a drug 
deal. They were, they were the product of the drug deal. Mama wanted to get high, and she had to find a way. And so I have two little girls now that, because God's mercy and grace, he's allowed them to, to be in, in, in my life and in Lindsay's life and in a lot of your lives because God's good. Now, why would a good God let Sadie, at two months old, contract a disease that, that literally has, has changed everything? Because we have sin. It's not Sadie's fault. She didn't do anything wrong. It's the nature of mankind. Well, how is a good God in the middle of that? Because a good God let a jail nurse find a mom and daddy that love her through her imperfection. If my little girl would have gotten sick and she would have been with the people who, who birthed her, she most likely would not be sitting in a stroller wheelchair today. She may be in a wheelchair and she may be in a stroller, but she's alive because God's good. He's good. You may be sitting in a place where you never thought you would be. You may be going through a tough time, a difficult time, a time you never saw on the horizon. You may have fear. You may have problems with with your family or with your kids. There's all kind of things you could be going through. But I'm telling you, it could always be worse. And God is good. You may feel like you don't have not one person in the world that cares about you. But the good God of heaven and earth loves you right where you are. So when I'm afraid, I put my trust in him. Now understand this, believing in God is one thing, trusting Him is a totally different ballgame. When I was a kid, I believed in Santa Claus. But I had to trust my mom and daddy was going to make sure he got the word on my toys. Then whenever I stopped believing in Santa Claus, I had to realize, guess what? Better put your trust in mom and daddy to begin with. I believe in a lot of things, a lot of people. But that doesn't mean I put my trust in them. I believe that certain football teams are better than others. But I can tell you this. When that tongue-talking freshman quarterback got in there in the national championship game, I did not trust we were going to win. Matter of fact, we were in the hospital with Sadie, and I looked at the nurses because everybody was in my room watching TV with me. I looked at all the nurses, and I said, Turn it off. It's over. Then he dropped back through that pass. I come up out of that chair, and I about did a Jericho march around the whole hospital thing. And here's what they said. Preacher, you sure had a lot of faith in him. I said, hush, it won, and that's all that matters. God is good, and you can trust a good God more than any belief system. You know him. Second thing is he's generous. 
What do I mean by he's generous? Those who know your name, Psalm 910, will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forgotten those who seek you. How's God generous? He's generous because he's merciful. And he's generous because there's a knucklehead that I know that he's forgiven about 22 million times for the same thing. How many of you have just absolutely brushed up on your prayer life when the blue lights pulled behind you or you knew that mama was fixing to found out you'd been drinking beer and you was, oh God, if you'll get me out of this, I promise I'll never, ever, 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 ever do it again. Next weekend come. What you doing, man? What do you mean what I'm doing? I'm coming with y'all. Remember last weekend? Oh, that's all right. I don't know about you, but I'd be having a hard time if I was God being generous in mercy and grace to somebody that lied like I do. Now, I ain't the only one in here that I've ever made them promises. I, I guarantee you that. You think about the things, though, that we do say we're going to do. Maybe it's not that extreme. Maybe it's something as simple as, hey, I'm going to be more faithful to church. I'm going to be more faithful in, in, in serving. I'm going to be more faithful in leading my family. I'm going to be more faithful in spending time in prayer. I'm going to be more faithful in doing How many times? But yet God is so generous that he loves us, and he still blesses us, and he blesses us beyond what we deserve. How many of you? You ain't got to raise your hand or anything. But how many of you can think of a time in your life where God has blessed you beyond what you know you deserve because you know good and well you didn't deserve it? But he's generous. Why is he generous? He's generous because those who know his name put their trust in him. He's not generous because we deserve it. He's generous because that's his character. That's his nature. You trust a God who is good, and you trust a God who is generous. He said, the the, the psalmist said, that have not forsaken, you've never forsaken those who seek you. That goes back to him being good. You seek the Lord. He'll bless you. He won't forsake you. That doesn't mean that he's going to spoil you and give you everything you need, but it means that God's going to take care of what he says he's going to take care of, the last thing. He's constant. He does not change. Psalm 31, 14 and 15, But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. When I think about God, and I think about how constant He's been in my life, He's been constant even whenever I did not even see it. There's many times I did not see God's consistency in my life until I was way down the road. I told you the other day or last Sunday that September 23rd this year I turned 40. It just so happens to be a Sunday and the Lord's already put a word on my heart. Four things at 40. And can I just tell you that? I did not learn those four things at 30. I didn't see His faithfulness in those four things at 20. But if I have for some reason to be preaching when I'm 80, I'm sure I can go with a lot more things at 80. Why? Because God is constant. God has no reason to change. He's not intimidated by situations. He's not thrown off course by circumstance. He's consistent. Unlike me, He's faithful and He's true and He stays the same. 
Now, how do you trust in that? Or how do you not trust in that? It's a good question. But if you're honest like me, you've done it. There's been times in your life where God's been good and you still haven't trusted him and he's had to remind you again that he's good. There's been times in my life, if you're like me, probably you as well, where God's shown you generosity and he's been generous. Maybe you still were having a hard time trusting. In this room right now, there are people. You're facing situations. I know this because the Lord spoke this to me at 7 o'clock this morning when I was standing in this room praying for you. Today you have situations in your life that you're facing. And for some of you, they're, they're pretty large. For others, you, you, they're, they're big to you. That doesn't mean they're not big to anybody else. They're big to you. And, and you may not feel like they're significant to other people, but it's important to you. And you're sitting in this room, and this is what I believe the voice of the Lord spoke to me today, to remind you of how you've seen him overcome your problem or deal with your problem, either in your life or someone else's in the past. What does that mean? That means, who do you know? Or have you ever went through the same thing? And how'd God deal with it before? Because if he does not change and he was able to do it once, then why in the world would he not be able to do it again? You see, trusting God and believing in God are two different things. I believe he can. Okay? A lot of people do that. Well, I believe God's able. But what about whenever you grab a hold to his word and you say, I trust he'll keep his word? It's a little bit, it's a little bit more, more deep than just saying, oh, I believe he can, or I trust what he says. I trust that when I'm afraid, he's there for me. I trust that when I'm going through a difficult situation, he's able to meet me there. I don't know what you're going through, but I do know that the Lord told me that there would be several people in this room today, and you need to hear this. You need to hear this. That God wants you to move from just believing to trusting. To step out of the realm of just believing He can and trusting that He will. What does that mean? I'll illustrate it to you this way. Now, some of you may know what this is. Some of you may be like, what in the world is that? And I hope this works the way it's supposed to. We'll find out in just a second. Okay. In case you're wondering, my oxygen saturation is 98, and my heart rate at this very moment is 122. This is called a pulse ox. This is what we put on Sadie almost every night, this. And the reason is whenever Sadie goes to sleep because of her brain injury, she goes to sleep. Her heart rate will get down 52, 53, which that's totally super low for a kid. 
And our oxygen saturations, your oxygen saturation is supposed to be 97, 100, 98. Most people is 100. I'm fat, so that's my excuse right now. And sometimes Sadie's sats will drop. And when her oxygen saturation drops to a certain number, it's dangerous. You know that when your brain doesn't have the proper amount of oxygen, then it, it, it'll hurt you. It'll kill you. It'll cause damage. And so at night, we hook this little thing up to say, say, and we have it so we can look at it. And if you take it off, let's just do it this way. If you take it off, it'll start making this noise. It'll just go doo-doo. Hopefully you just heard it. It'll do it again in a minute. If you take this off, it gives you this warning. You'd be shocked at how many times I can push the snooze button with an alarm clock, but that noise right there brings me to my feet. Why? Because something's wrong with say say. Something's going on. When I look at this, I believe that everything's okay. It helps me believe that everything's good because I see a number that gives me confidence and hope. And a lot of times whenever we have something that's a security for us, it's a lot easier and will sometimes distort belief and trust. But what about when you don't have the pulse ox? That's when you have to move from a place from believing to trusting. Because though that thing helps me believe and helps me see how Sadie's doing, what I believe and what I trust is two different things. I, she may be having something going on and she may be having a rough night and her respiratory not doing what it's supposed to be doing, but my hope in Sadie and my trust for Sadie is not found in a machine, but it's in God. It's so easy to look at this, though, as a safety net. It's so easy to look at your checking account being good as a safety net or everything in the family going good. As a, it's easy when all that's happening, but what about whenever the bells and whistles are going off and things aren't lining up right? Worship team's coming. What about when, when everything doesn't look good? How do you, how do you deal with that then? That noise goes off, man. I jump up. What's happening? And immediately I have to decide, am I, gonna, am I going to freak out or am I going to trust God? Am I going to say, oh, my goodness, what's happening? Now, that doesn't mean that I think that, you know, that, well, we're just going to trust God and let her lay here and it's going to be okay. If she needs something, trust me. We take her to the doctor. We go to the hospital. We do whatever we have to do. But sometimes in life, it's so easy just to look and when things are going good and everything's okay, but, but the minute something starts beeping, the minute something starts going off, we start panicking. What if we were just reminded of God's faithfulness the last time to help us get through the next time? Because if he's done it once, he can do it again. 
Habakkuk has this conversation with God. God, why? What you're doing is not fair. Well, who's the one that decides what's fair and not fair? Well, it's obviously not Habakkuk, nor is it me, nor is it you. God, it's not right, it's not fair. How are you going to do this? Why are you going to do this? And the Lord begins to just speak back to him and respond to him. And we'll dig into that in the next couple weeks, the dilemma that he has. But today, I just want us to understand and establish trust. Because although he asked questions to God, he had a trust in God. He understood at the end of the day, God was God. You may have problems and you may have have things that just don't seem right. You may have have alarms going off that's got you in a tizzy, upset. Your faith and your hope is not found in stuff like this or in checking accounts. Your faith and your hope, your trust has to be found in God and God alone. Today, maybe you're in this room and maybe you're dealing with trust. Maybe you're having a hard time trusting God with what you're going through right now. Maybe you're having a hard time letting go and just letting God be God. I want to remind you today that He loves you more than you'll ever know. Maybe you have a child that's not not doing right. He loves your baby more than you do. That's hard for you to understand. Hard for me to understand. God loves the situation or the people who are involved in your situations. He loves them. But God loves you. God loves you. Hear what I'm telling you. He loves you. And He wants you to trust Him. You may not always understand Him. You won't understand Him. But He will never leave you and He'll never forsake you. The Bible says His promises are yes and amen. I'm not sure or not maybe. He is a constant God. He's a good God. He's a generous God. He is a God that you can trust. He is the only God that you can trust. Before the foundations of the world, the Bible says that He was slain. If He loved me and you enough before He ever created the earth to have a plan for us to be with Him, then I think you can trust him that he's got everything taken care of between point A and point B. I wrestled with the Lord on how to close the service today. Because I do know in my heart there are people in here and you're dealing with trust issues. Maybe for some of you, you have a hard time trusting God because you've, you've been let down by so many other people. Friend, God's not like them. And for you to compare God to someone else 
you're doing him a grave disjustice and you're limiting yourself from an incredible experience of trusting the supernatural, miracle-working, way-making God. If you're in here today and you're going through something, I want you to hear me. God wants you to trust Him. I was sitting in a pastoral counseling class at CBC, and I'll never forget, Dr. Jim V. Hill wrote something on the dry erase board. And it has stuck with me through my best days and my worst days. I've repeated it over a hundred times, I guarantee you, sitting in hospital rooms. And not just in hospital rooms, but even in my desk at this church. God, how do we go to the next step? How do we do this? How do we do that? I'm not so sure in my own self. And I'll go back to what Jim V. Hill wrote on the board, and here's what he said. God trusts you to trust Him. He is so confident in Himself that He gives you the free will to trust Him. He trusts you to trust Him. Now, I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what you walked in this room with. I don't know the weight that's on your shoulders. But he trusts you to trust him. Because he's good. He's generous. And he's constant. He will not change. So here's the way I want to close. I want to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you to the front or anything like that. I want you to be honest with yourself. I don't want you to worry about the people who's next to you and worry about, well, if I respond, it's going to make it look like I don't have a lot of faith. No, that that's, has nothing to do with any of this. It has to do with you just being honest with you and yourself and honest before the Lord. If you're in this room and you say, you know what, Pastor Jody, I hear what you're saying, and, and there's an area in my life that I feel like I don't trust God 100% with. Today, God wants you to give Him your doubt and your fear. Today, God wants you to give Him your worry and your anxiety. Today, God wants you to trust Him because He trusts you to do so. Relationships, jobs, finances, health, Maybe you've been feeling something in your body that you just don't know what it is and you don't want to go to the doctor because you don't know what it is. Trust Him. Believe Him. Trust Him. He's not going to lie to you. He's not going to let you down. If He's done it once, He can do it again. If He's brought you out one time, He can bring you out another time. If He brought your friend out or your, your, your family member out, then the Bible says He's not a respecter of persons. That means He can bring you out too. Trust Him. But I trust in you, O Lord. 
I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. He's the author and the finisher, the perfecter of your faith. Trust him. Now I want you to stand with me across the room. And when you had your eyes closed, if you were just honest with yourself and you felt like, hey, this is something I'm dealing with, then as we worship God right now, as we prepare to to close our service together today, I believe the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, and I believe the Holy Spirit has revealed something to you. Now I believe that you respond to Him. You respond to the Holy Spirit. Truth always demands a response. And if the truth of God has shown you that, hey, you you can do a better job trusting, or maybe you don't trust enough, then we respond to Him. And so I'm going to pray, and as I pray, these guys are going to lead us in worship. And we're going to worship Jesus, and then we're going to leave. If you want to stay for next move, as soon as service is over, just meet us in the comments. But trust Him, because if He's done it before... He can do it again. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your faithfulness. And Lord, I bless this house. I bless your people. I bless them, God. And Lord, I know that you trust them to trust you. And you trust me to trust you. God, trusting God is not easy, but it's necessary. So Lord, I bless this house. And today, God, I pray you'd help us find where we need to be. Draw ourselves back to you. And to trust you, you are our God, and our times are in your hands.